What makes your dad happy? Hugs and kisses from me. That I love him. His family. Jesus. Um, well, bowling, I think that would help. What makes your dad sad? Um, if I don't obey him. Can I splash all the water around? What is your dad's favorite thing to do? Go to Starbucks. Play pillow fights. If we go like somewhere special like Disneyland or something. How old is your dad? Um, three, five, sixty-eight. How tall is your dad? Well, I'll go with like eight foot twelve or something. Um, twenty inches. What does your dad do for a job? My dad's a police officer. He protects people. He works hard so that way we can get money to buy toys for our birthday. What do you and your dad do together? Sometimes we would have like a date together. We fight and wrestle. Snuggle when it's nighttime. What's your dad really good at? Lego Star Wars. Cooking. Tickling me. Because he's like so good I can almost throw up. In what ways are your dad and God the same? My dad and God um, love me and they're perfect. God helps um, me make the right choices and daddy helps me make the right choices sometimes too. Because he gives me a warning. How do you know that your dad loves you? He tells me. Is because he's been with me all my days and um, he's never left me. Sometimes he hugs me and kisses me and sometimes he says it to me. He's um, honest with me. He's, um, well, I can tell that he really loves me. I love you, Daddy. Happy Father Day. Those were real responses from children that they just uh, did some little artwork to. It's pretty good, huh? Going to introduce to you our speaker for the day. This is John Colander. Um, I just have to give you a little bit of insight into John. Um, he doesn't know this, but today when um, he came in, I was already in here. He was sitting out studying in his car. I walked out there to turn on TVs and stuff. John's in the bathroom going, baby, you're a song. Make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. He does the whole thing. I stood out there going, no way. Is this dude just, he's just going. You didn't it know sounds that. good in the bathroom, though. It's it always Great does. acoustic. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm not preaching today. John's preaching next week. Um, Joe will preach. And uh, just, just wanted you to hear from some different folks. And, and I know John has been doing a lot of praying and a lot of studying, so this is his message to our church on spiritual warfare. Give him a welcome. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Can you hear me okay? I don't know how preachers do it. Man, am I breathing too hard in this thing? I don't know how preachers do it. I'm exhausted. Doug told me two weeks ago I was going to be doing this, and I studied. I neglected my wife. I snapped at my kids. I kicked my dog. I... Or maybe I kicked my kids and snapped at my wife and neglected my dog. Something I, I just I was on short fuse this entire time, and it, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I'm a therapist because I get to go back to that work. So every once in a while I can do this, but I can't do it all the time. It's hard. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Ephesians chapter six. So if you got your Bibles or your phones, turn it on to Ephesians chapter six, and we'll hit that here in a second. 
Saturday night, God told me, yeah, it's kind of cool how, have you ever caught yourself realizing when God speaks to you most, it's probably when you're meditating or when you're in the quiet or in the peace. He doesn't always talk to you whenever you're driving down the road having road rage. And I think that's why it's important for us to have times of quietness and secretness and meditation to be able to communicate with God because he just seems to come to you in those times. Well, anyway, he came to me and said, John, you're going to do a pre-sermon, and then you're going to do a sermon. So it's a two-parter. First thing I want you to look at is uh, the pre-sermon, which is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, if you would. Is that me making all that noise? All right. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life here on earth. Here's the second part. This is important. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. All right, so first of all, kids, honor your parents. A very important role. It's kind of like one of those if-then things. If, If women submit to their husbands... It can change a relationship, but however, the men have to treat the women like Christ treated the church. Isn't that right? So that's an interesting little parallel. It's kind of an if-then situation, and you've got to pay attention to those things. If you honor your mother and father, things will go well for you. Yeah, isn't my nose making that? Let me see. Every time I exhale through my nose, it, it blows right through that thing. So don't use this thing. All right, fathers, basically what I'm saying is that you have an important role because you have an equal responsibility to raise your kids without provoking your children to anger by the way you treat them and to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. I'm going to come back to this a little bit later on, I hope. I'm I'm hoping I can get through this time. Now, remember, I'm not a preacher. I'm hoping I can stick with that learner's guide in your hand. If I don't, forgive me. I might just bump around a little bit, But, but here we go. I'm going to talk about my dad for a little bit. My dad, he's a smart man. He actually has a shirt that says, as a matter of fact, I am a rocket scientist because he is a rocket scientist. He loves physics. He enjoys talking about hayons and gluons. Matter of fact, when I was about 11 years on, hey, you don't want to know what those are. He, when I was young or a kid, this is an example of what he did. He doesn't know I'm talking about him. But he would tell me jokes like, hey, how many, how many hayons and gluons does it take to turn on a light bulb? And, uh, I'm 11, I don't know. Well, none, because they are the basic properties of matter, and by themselves they illuminate their own light, thereby rendering the light bulb obsolete. <laughs> I'm going, oh, Dad, I just want to shoot my BB gun. I can teach you projectiles and stuff like that. So, I mean, the dude's just smart. All right, he was he was involved in developing smart bombs, laser guided missiles, night vision. I remember at night I would look through some of the first night vision goggles ever invented, first calculators with LEDs. He was involved in that inventions. But one thing he loved was war. He loved war tactics, military weapons, weaknesses, and 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 that was kind of something I admired him. And he threw himself into his work. And the one thing he still loves is military history. You can go over to his house at any time, and this man is watching military history. Does anybody like watching war shows, or, or does anybody like military history? 
I'm getting into it more and more. I think it's cool. Now, here's some things we want to talk about. War, with regard to, oops, I don't want to get lost. When we talk about war and warfare, some of the major tactics that people use in war is three things. And this is where I kind of screwed up on the listener's guide. One of the things people use in war, people win wars by dividing and conquering, and they hit you when you least expect it. In other words, they do sneak attacks. That's number three. You got to know your enemy's weaknesses, and sometimes you take down or kill the leaders or the main headquarters. Those are interesting tactics for warfare, am I right? There's a lot of other different tactics for warfare, but those are some pretty main ones. We're going to come back to these here in just a little bit. I want to do a little comparison. I want to, first, I want to talk about Satan and fallen angels, okay? Fallen angels are very real as the real as the nose in your face. People don't think that they exist. I'm not talking about ghosts, fallen angels. Satan himself is a fallen angel, and there are many more like him out there. This is kind of a deep subject that I think that we need to get into. I don't want to neglect it because I think there's a lot of issues surrounding spiritual warfare. Satan can't physically take over our bodies like you see on some of the movies. He can't make us levitate. He can't make your head spin around. He can't do those things. But what Satan does is he can be the little voice that sits on your shoulder and says, do this, do that, or the things you see that pulls you in, the temptations that you see on a regular basis. Satan is that voice of temptation. He's the ultimate liar, and he wants us to spend eternity with him. The closer we get to God, the further away we get from Satan. The closer we get to this world and the closer we get to Satan, the further away we get from God and our families. God wants us to choose him for the rest of eternity, but he will allow us to go back to Satan's way in the world if if we choose to do so, right? Two examples in the Bible that I, I want to talk about. Daniel in ch- chapter 10. Daniel was, was historically one of Nebuchadnezzar's kings, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream interpreters. And this is the same Daniel that was thrown in the lion's den later. And he also knew, brought on Shadrach, Meshach, and Medigo, who ended up getting thrown in the stove and didn't cook. And that's a pretty cool story. If you want to know some good stuff, read some pretty good stories exist in Daniel, in Daniel overall. So read that stuff. It was kind of neat to read it. But in Daniel chapter 10, they talk specifically, they talk specifically about how Daniel was visited by a messenger. And I'm not going to talk about the message that, that the messenger had to bring to him. But the matter of fact was, is that the messenger said, I would have been here sooner, but I've been fighting a fight for years with the evil prince of Persia. And, and an archangel Michael had to step in and help this messenger fight these evil prince. This evil prince and his armies. So that is a, an Old Testament example of spiritual warfare, right? Now, if we go to Ephesians chapter 6, let me see if I've skipped something. I don't think I have. Let's go to it's Ephesians ch- chapter 6, number 12, verse 12. We are not fighting against the flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rules and rulers and authorities that are of an unseen world, against mighty powers in a dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. 
Does anybody, has anybody ever studied spiritual warfare? If you're a new Christian, this might be a totally new concept to you, that there are things going on outside of our realm in the heavens and around us that we're not even aware of. People are competing for our souls, I believe. I, mean, I hope I'm not wrong, and I hope I'm not misquoting any Bible. And if I if I am, I'll be I'll be told about it later. I'm sure. Yes, I will. Am I okay so far? Yes. Okay. All right. Satan tactics. Satan's tactics for attacking us. Do you think that there are any parallels with general warfare here on Earth that parallel what Satan's tactics are as well? Do you think he hits us when we're weak? Does he know? Does he know our weaknesses? Does he give us surprise attacks when we least expect it? And has he ever tried to take out some of our leaders? Look around at our church and some of the other churches around town. Spiritual leaders are being attacked on a regular basis. Satan is a sneaky man. People picture him as a dude standing with a pitchfork with horns and and a little tail and red tights. And I think that's what Satan wants you to think. But I do think that Satan comes as a thief in the night. He comes as temptations. He comes as a well-dressed man, a well-dressed woman. He comes as a, he's just a stealthy liar. He's going to creep into our lives. He's not the evil demon. He probably is, but he can present himself as anything he wants to, to sneak into our lives. Temptation, sexual sin, lust, property ownership, money. That's the way he's going to creep into our lives. So he's sneaky. So we need to have some, it's quite the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are what we need to have in our lives to be able to leave a fruit, lead a fruitful life. If you look around our community, some churches are having bad attacks, including our own. Our own. Doug and his family have been attacked. And, and, and I think Satan's trying to get at us through our leaders. And I think he's doing so because, and I think he's trying to get rid of some, get, I think he's trying to control some of our, our members of our church because if we destroy the relationships in our church, then our church can easily fall apart. One of the tactics that I missed in general warfare was to isolate and devour. And that is another tactic of Satan is to isolate us and devour us and just consume us one by one or couple by couple or family by family. He can devour us and he can slowly pick away at our church. If we don't watch out, we can be a church in danger. I think that this church and I think that other churches, but I think that this church is on the verge of of doing great things. And I hope I'm right and I hope other people believe this too. I feel that the church is, is on the cusp of growing and reaching people who normally don't reach Christ. It does a good job of reaching out to those people who don't know who Christ is. And I think God, I think God wants to bless that, but I think Satan is out to destroy it. Do you agree? Okay. Well, if you look, so some of the other ways that, that I think Satan, Satan's trying to get to us is look at our school systems, look at what's on TV, the commercials that accompany some normal programs. Like if I'm watching iCarly or sometimes a questionable commercial comes on that just freaks me out sometimes that my daughter's sitting there. I do. I watch, I watch iCarly. I got no problem with that. Sometimes by myself, that's kind of sad, but I do watch it, but I do watch it sometimes. But I do think that, that Satan's getting through to us in those three ways. He's isolating us, he's uh, getting to our leaders, and that he's uh, finding us our, in our weaknesses.
The one thing that I feel like is that I think it's our own fault. I think that sometimes we allow ourselves to get wrapped up in earthly things and earthly pleasures. We try to get ahead. I am at fault in this, man. I work my rear rear end off, and I, I justify it by saying, well, I want to provide for my family. I want to do this. I like, and I come home, and I'm all tired, and I lay down, but I don't help my wife at all around the house, and you know, I just... I neglect my wife, and I feel like it's all about me. I'm a selfish man at times. And I think there's some other guys who might be in here as well. Some relationships are on the rocks because the man is so wrapped up in providing and, and, and doing things that they feel are right to do. But you've got to look at the fact that God wants you to, no, Satan wants you to focus on your own ambitions so that your family falls apart. And when your family falls apart, this ambition really isn't going to be mean much, is it? It doesn't. Trust me, I've been there. I'm divorced. I, I, I sacrificed a relationship over ambition, I think, sometimes. So I think it's our own fault sometimes that uh, the reason that God, uh, that, that Satan gets into our lives. I do want to talk about there is hope and protection for us. Let's read the rest of Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. All right, I got to scroll down to that. Hang on. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. Therefore, therefore, put on every piece of armor of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the devil in the time, in, in evil times. After the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of Jesus Christ, of God's righteousness, the shoes of peace. And that comes with the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil that I was just talking about. Those arrows that the devil's constantly shooting at you, you have to hold up that shield of faith. And then put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword as the spirit. Now these are important things. I hate to elaborate on things that sometimes are obsolete, but... I think the first two things I like to talk about are the shoes and the belt, the, the belt of truth and the, the shoes of peace. I think those are articles of preparation. We've got to be clothed in truth all of the time. We don't want to be dishonest individuals telling one thing. We've got to be men of integrity and women of integrity to be prepared to fight God's fight. I don't think he wants a broken vessel to fight his fight. The shoes of peace, I think, is a state of if we are walking around confident in peace that God has got our back and that perhaps some other people in the, in, in the congregation in your church have your back, you have peace that if somebody confronts you, you can go to spiritual battle with them a little bit easier. So you've got shoes of peace on. Then you've got the breastplate. This is where the armor, the, your protection comes into play. You've got the breastplate of, of God, of God's righteousness. And that's a protective aspect. That's a way to defend yourself. And then we've got a shield of faith that we're holding up that's kind of defending us from the devil's arrows that are coming in at us. And then the other thing is God, the helmet of God's salvation to protect our minds. I think that's one of the most crucial things we miss is understanding and knowing about the gospel and understanding God's salvation to protect us. If we don't know these basic things, we're not going to be prepared to defend ourselves on a daily basis. So those are areas of defense. I do feel that the sword, it well says it, it's the representation of the word of, of God. And I think that is our offense. That's the way we fight our fights is we've got to know our word. We've got to know the Bible or we're going to be a useless warrior, aren't you? Are you a good warrior if all you do is defend, 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 but never fight back? I've got a shield and I'm protecting myself, and but I never thrust my sword. 
And my, th- my sword as a Christian is knowing the Holy Bible so that I can be protected to defend myself and out, go out and attack whatever def- um, that Satan has to throw at me. So remember this armor. And it's not something you put on once a week. It's constant. It's a daily, it's a daily issue that you have to put it on. And that's why I think that they keep saying, pray without ceasing all throughout your day so that you, whenever you're in the middle of the midst of a battle, that you can, you can have the armor of God on you and you can be prepared for any circumstance. You can look at things a little differently. You can see people with different eyes. One thing I, I'm, I'm going to get you guys out of here a little early. I want to because it's Father's Day. But um, I want to talk about some things that we're missing. I, I do feel that we're missing. And if we put up Ephesians 6, verse 18, and I don't even think I have it up there. Let me, let me scroll to that one real quick. Ephesians six eighteen, Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayer for all believers er- everywhere. That means that we need to pray for each other. There's ways that we can defend ourselves. The ways that we defend ourselves are individually, through groups, and through our church. Individually, we need to, con- we need to consume ourselves with the Word. And we need to pray to, to, to God to protect us. We also cannot do this alone. There is a, a verse, which I've got in here somewhere, and it talks about staying in the church. It says in Hebrews... Yeah. Hebrews 10, somewhere it says, let us not stop meeting like this in churches and congregations because we need each other. We have to lift each other up. Without these type, this type of food, we may be useless and we may be more apt to succumb to temptation. So church is such an important thing. It's important to come in here and get involved in some type of ministry. We have several types of ministries on a corporate level. The outreach program with clothes, the single mom's ministry. Sometimes we go out and do things for people in the public. We go to Haiti. There's ways to get involved at a corporate level, to tithe, spend your time in the church, help with the kids. But another way that we need to help each other is to form a triad or join a small group. We're in a small group that I couldn't imagine going through the things I went through the past. Well, I couldn't imagine of going, going through my divorce without my Christian friends. I would have been a mess. I would have turned to alcohol and women. I would have. But my church friends pulled me in and took me in and helped me, held me accountable for my actions while I was a single man. The small group now, man, I'm embarrassed to say Doug saw me in a snot-wallowing pit of despair. My wife would call him up and say, John can't move. He's crying. I was in the fetal position in my bed, and Doug would come over, and all I'd do is look up and see him. It was pretty embarrassing, wasn't it? It's pretty, it's, it's, but that's family, man. He saw me in that position, and he still has faith in me to get up here and talk and present God's word. He loves me. Y'all love me. I feel love from this church and this congregation as if you were my own family. I don't mind embarrassing myself in front of you. I don't mind exposing my emotions to you because I know you're going to love me in spite of what I do wrong. Stick with each other. Lift each other up. And by, by all means, I want you to start doing me a favor and try to read your Bible more often. Find what what we did in my small group is, I think Steve brought up one thing. He was very brave. I appreciate Steve doing this. He goes, I'll read the Bible and I just won't remember it. And I said, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit myself to reading one aspect of the Bible and understanding that Bible. So I picked the book of John and I read it over and over and over. What I did is I listened to it over and over and over. And man, 
I understand John. I know where the miracles take place. And now I can refer people to places in John that, that support my religion. I've got a sword now. I didn't have a sword before my small group encouraged me to do this. All I had was defensive tactics. Now, um, so, so I encourage everybody to get in the Word in some way, shape, or form on a regular basis, okay? The other thing I think we need to do as a church a little bit more, we need to get involved in prayer. Prayer is hard. I have a hard time praying. I have always struggled. Where's Ann? Ann, you in here? I've always struggled with prayer. Ann knows I have because I've battled over it because I always try to outthink God. And I think, I think I'm dumb for trying to outthink God. Who can outthink the Lord in eternity in heaven? Nobody can. Scientists, physicists, Dad, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to figure out heaven. You're not going to be able to figure out what God has in store for you. We just have to have faith that our God has good things planned for us. And I need to reach out and have a relationship with this God and enjoy his company and see what he has in store for me. As I pray, as I move closer to the Lord, guess what? My relationship with my wife improves. I become less selfish. I happen to look around for people on the road, and I try to help them out a little bit more. I try to see my children through Christ's eyes, and I treat them differently. I try to take on new responsibilities. I look at work in a whole different fashion. But if I slip away from the habit of praying, and I slip away from the habit of reading the Word, I become more worldly. I get stuck in my own habits. I want to encourage us in some way or shape or form in the future to start praying and reading your word a little bit more. Start out small if you're a new Christian. Start out with little prayers because I do think that God just wants to hear from you. He just wants to hear what you have to say. Pray about the basics, okay? Now, man, five minutes till. This is good. I told you I was going to get you out of here. We have to start praying. I'm done. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, but I do. I thank you for letting me come up here. and <laughs> Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, this is a joy to be able to come up here and share the word. I hope I didn't go too fast. I didn't even look at my notes. The Holy Spirit must tell you what to say, I guess, when the time is right. And I hope, it, I hope that it just encourages you to think about what you do and what goes through your brain on a day-to-day basis because I know that the Lord wants to have a closer relationship with you. Because individually, if you get stronger, you're going to develop relationships. As relationships grow, our church is going to become stronger, and we're going to meet the need of, of the kingdom of God. Amen. I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, I want to tell you, if you don't know what to do or to get for your father, for Father's Day, just tell him thank you. We notice what you do. Last night, I got all three of my kids, and we sat around the table, and we just, we just enjoyed fellowship together. And that's enough present for me. And when they tell, when they just, all they ever have to do is say, thanks, Dad. I notice what you do. And that just means a lot to dads, right? Right, dads? We don't need a bunch of fancy stuff. We just need somebody to say thank you and I love you. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. It's where we take up our offering. Now, some of you um, have asked questions about online giving. Online giving is very simple. It doesn't cost you any money. 
um, you just go to nlccp.com. There's a little box that says online giving. You click on that. You put in a little bit of information. Now, it, it literally takes me less than 30 seconds. I gave yesterday. took me less than 30 seconds because all of my information is on there. You can give one time. You can do a recurring giving, which is coming, uh, you can say once a month, you can say twice a month, whatever. And then if you decide if your job changes and your giving changes, you can always go back in and change that. It's a very, very simple process. So some of you uh, are doing that. We thank you for that. Some of you need to sign up for that. We have a second basket, which is our registration card basket. Since John brought up what's going on in the spiritual world, what I'd like for you to do is write down your biggest battle that you're facing right now. And, and I will go through those. I'll be praying through those uh, in the, this next week. And just write down, what is it that you're going through? And, and we believe, we really do. We don't just talk about prayer. We believe, pet peeve, prayer does not work. God works when we pray. You see the difference? I can pray at this table. I know people that pray to doorknobs. I actually heard somebody in, in an NA group one time, their higher power was a doorknob. I'm like, good luck with that. I don't know how that doorknob is going to cha- change you or hold you accountable. When, when we pray, God does amazing things. So prayer is just rambling without a father's ears, right? So let's go to him and let's get his perspective before we do things. So put that on the back of your card. Put that in the registration card basket, and, uh, and we'll be praying for that. Third is our bagel basket. Everything goes in there, goes to paying for the building. The building is paid off, but we're raising money now to put concrete out here. This is going to be cool. When we get the first stage, we're going to have a 30 by 30 covered drop-off area out here, metal drop-off area. You'll be able to drive down and turn around. We'll have concrete going all the way over to the house. There'll be two rows of parking over there. There'll be some parking right up here by the building. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? First stage is $42,000. When we get that, we will, we're going to pay for everything. We're not going into debt ever, ever again, right? All right, stand up. I want you to be sure and find five people that you hadn't spoken to today. Give them a hug and tell them that God loves them and you like them. You don't have to lie, all right? Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you again for my dad and the impact that he made on my life and the fact that I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything without being reminded of my dad. And it was so cool just to hang out with him, just to talk to him, and, and just to, to say I love you, and to see that sheepish, sheepish look on his face. And he say, oh, I love you too. God, I pray that we would not take relationships for granted, but, but that starting today, we will really make a, a, a concerted effort to love everybody in our families, and to keep them close. Thank you for what John brought to our attention, God. Help us to recognize spiritual warfare is real. It's happening right now, and it's going to get worse as soon as we step out these doors. So cover us and protect us, and bring us back safely. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. You're dismissed.